It's Grant Schwalbe. Uh, welcome to the next episode of the Grabs Podcast. Uh, today I've got with me Scott Ketchum from Winter Park Fire, and Winter Park is in Florida, uh, just uh, right near Orlando. So welcome, Scott. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, you and your department? Hey, I'm uh, Scott Ketchum. I'm a, a lieutenant for the city of Winter Park Fire Department. Uh, we're a small department, three stations, nine square miles, just uh, north of the city of Orlando. Uh, so on shift, we typically have uh, 19 is our minimum staffing. Uh, so we, we staff three engines, one truck, uh, two rescues, transport rescues with uh, medics, a battalion, and EMS. So I'm a fourth-generation fireman. Uh, spent my time in a couple different apartments, found myself in Winter Park. Uh, wound up staying there, just really enjoyed the culture. Uh, very aggressive fire department. Uh, Unique city in the, the fact that we have some McMansions. We also have some uh, 800 square foot uh, shotgun shacks, uh, but uh, a great place to work. Uh, very aggressive department, uh, very search oriented. Uh, we do have a dedicated truck company. Uh, one of the few in the state of Florida doesn't have a pump, which really allows us to concentrate those guys on the search so they don't get confused in their SOPs. Uh, we got seating assignments, ride assignments for all units. It really makes for a very uh, smooth operating fire scene. Nice. What do you guys get on a normal uh, residential structure fire? So residential structure fire uh, is going to be three engines, uh, one rescue, the truck, uh, EMS, and a battalion for a total of 17. Uh, engines are typically staffed with three. Uh, we're manned for four, but Kelly Day's vacation, all that good stuff. Usually uh, 99% of the time we're going to have three on an engine. So that's 17 on the initial. Once they get a, a couple of reports or it's confirmed, they go ahead and add an uh, additional suppression unit, additional rescue, additional transport unit. Cool. And we'd already spoken with Eric, uh, and he told us a little bit about your department. But uh, the, the time lapse before units arrive on scene, everybody's pretty much there on top of each other, right? Yeah, we're, we're pretty fortunate. We say that we have a lot of near fires because everyone's trying to jockey to get that first due. Uh, and it really, honestly, you know, not, not to say it's unsafe, but we, we push it because if, if it's on the border, uh, your second due engine is going to beat you in. So we get a lot of, we call them can fires, you know, just because we're, we're so fortunate to have so many units in, in nine square miles. Cool. Why don't you take us to February 2018 and talk about this, uh, this incident? Yeah, so uh, le leading up to it, uh, I was a newer lieutenant. I had about four months uh, in the lieutenant seat. I had just been moved shifts probably about a month prior. Uh, so I had about a month to uh, build up some rapport with my crew. We had some good training, and uh, we, we felt pretty decent. Uh, so this particular fire uh, was about 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I was at an outlying house, had an engine and a rescue. Uh, there was five of us there. Uh, gets toned out about 2 o'clock for a reported structure fire. Uh, very quickly uh, in, we realized that it's probably going to be confirmed, and very quickly on, they, they reported victims. So I was a neighbor calling from the uh, adjacent house, uh, initially called and said, hey, there's a fire in the garage, small fire. Uh, before we even left the bay, they were reporting fire through the roof. So uh, I was probably within about a half mile of my firehouse. I made it onto a main road. I had a pretty good column. I went ahead and called Italian, let them know, you know, about potential it's going to be working fire. They added additional units, and uh, we proceeded in. So 
uh, this particular area, I knew it was going to be a, a single family residentials. Uh, they dated back anywhere between the, the 60s all the way up to the 2000s in construction. Uh, so I pretty much had a, a good idea what I was going to get. So by bison report uh, via phone was uh, one occupant had made exit uh, and there's reports of one uh, unaccounted uh, adult still inside. So uh, made the block, went up to the block. I had heavy fire above the trees. Uh, so single uh, family residential, probably about 1,200 square feet uh, with fire, heavy fire on the alpha side coming out the front door. And also to me at the time, looked like it was through the roof. So uh, later on, I came to find out it was actually a skylight that had popped. And it was just actually the body of fire coming out the skylight. So get pull, pull up, try to get a good spot on the uh, on the rig. Nobody met me outside. Two cars in the driveway, front door wide open, garage open. Nobody met me outside. The the neighbor wasn't there. Uh, nobody telling me, hey, someone's still in there. Absolutely nobody. Kind of eerie when you get reports, you know, like that, and you pull up and no one's there. So uh, initially, uh, before you left the station, I actually talked to the crew. Uh, I was more comfortable doing the search at that point, knowing that I had uh, confirmed victims. I actually told the rescue leaving that they were going to pull the line and that myself and my firefighter were going to go ahead and operate the search. Uh, so immediately I, I make that block and, and that plan changed. So once I saw fire blowing out the alpha side, I kind of had an audible and uh, that, that was going to be my, my entry point. Uh, so I, I go ahead and, and have my firefighter change to uh, stretching the line. Uh, which I would have had her do anyway, just so it was there for the rescue. But I had her go ahead and start hitting the fire while I, I operated my 360. So uh, I, I jogged a quick 360. Uh, to be honest, I don't even remember it. I had to go back and listen to the audio afterwards. Uh, not to say I was amped up, but I was definitely focused. And there was stuff I guess I had said on the radio I didn't remember. Uh, all good things, I guess you could say. You know, just getting benchmarks, talking to units incoming, uh, trying to talk to the truck incoming about, you know, searchable space. Uh, things like that. Uh, 360 I had nothing showing on my my Bravo Charlie or uh, Delta side, just that, that heavy body fire on the Alpha side. So uh, we went ahead and knocked down the fire. Uh, pretty pretty good amount of fire, but we run a, a pretty decent attack package. I got a 15 16, so 185 gallons a minute, but a pretty quick knockdown on the fire. Uh, at that point, my rescue crew met me in the driveway, and then uh, I went ahead and assigned them to uh, go ahead and, and conduct a search. Uh, as we were knocking down fire, uh, we made entry into the front door. There was a lot of debris. So uh, this particular, we had to fight about 10 feet of fire to get into an enclosed patio before we made the front door. Uh, made the front door, uh, firefighters knocking fire down. I, I made entry. I wound up actually tripping on debris. Uh, when I did that, uh, about a 60-inch TV fell off the wall and uh, just made a big mess in the, uh, in the front doorway. So... We had a little bit of an issue, four of us trying to make entry through a door uh, with debris. Uh, at that point, we got a good knock on the fire. Uh, I'd say we probably had most of the fire knocked down, I'd say, in under a minute. Uh, the battalion chief coming from the other, uh, other station was probably two minutes of arrival behind us, and he said he never saw fire. So we got a super fast knock, uh, tank water, probably didn't even use a quarter of our tank. Uh, and then at that point, it was all, all hands on deck for a search. Uh, I left my firefighter there with a the nozzle to continue knocking down fire. Uh, I sent my rescue crew to the right and just told them to do a primary, you know, right-handed search. And I proceeded left, which uh, on my 360, I knew the bedrooms were left. So uh, I, I took off left. Uh, I operate as an officer on an engine. I have a, a hook and a tick. So just went in and conducted a real quick uh, tick search of those bedrooms. I uh, just knocked out uh, three bedrooms and a bathroom real quick with a tick. 
before I actually kind of initiated my, my hands-on search, if that makes sense. I wanted to get the most kind of bang for my book quick. And, uh, and then I went ahead and started conducting a search. By then, the, the inside truck crew had pulled up, and they were also assigned primary search. Met them inside. I gave them a quick report of, uh, of what uh, we had found so far, and they went ahead and, and continued the primary. So at this point, we're probably five minutes into on scene. Uh, battalion chief is met by a neighbor saying that somebody's definitely in there. So at this point, we're searching a pretty small space and nothing found yet. Uh, obviously, it starts to raise some concern. Uh, guys are, you know, starting to double search some stuff. Uh, smoke's starting to clear. At that point, I realized that it had popped a skylight, so I had a really good vent. So it actually cleared out smoke pretty quick. Uh, visibility started to rise. And uh, it was at that point, the second do engine was coming in behind us. They uh, happened to notice a body just inside the front door. So, uh, unfortunately, during the fight to get inside, uh, not to say we, we missed it, but uh, I definitely missed it uh, coming in. Uh, the body was not recognizable. Uh, it, it, at that point, uh, had severe, you know, uh, burns. Uh, it was not really recognizable. And with the amount of debris, it kind of was an easy transition just to go up and over. So. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for, for that victim, I, I think they were, uh, gone before we got there. Uh, but it's, uh, it's definitely a gut check to realize that you, you missed something. Yeah, no doubt. You know, we've done a lot of these and this is the first of, uh, anybody coming on and, and kind of giving a story that, that wasn't, uh, successful, uh, at least on, on removing the victim. What? What did you guys do different after that, or what kind of takeaways did you get off of this? Uh, so, uh, to be honest, uh, leaving that, I, looking at the times and all that, it, it, uh, everything aside from that, it, not to say it went well, because obviously the outcome wasn't good. I mean, we put fast water on this thing. We got a good knockdown. We knocked out that primary search within probably five, first four or five minutes on scene. Uh, uh, to be honest, for me, my, my takeaway is just slow down a little bit. So uh, it, it, it wound up we found out that the source of the fire could have actually been the actual victim. So uh, that kind of adds another layer to it, uh, which, you know, it's, it's yet to be determined, I guess, still what, what the cause was, but uh, the, the amount of fire we had on arrival, uh, not to say that's that space wasn't uh, survivable, but uh, I don't think the outcome would have been different. Uh, I beat myself up pretty good afterwards uh, just because, you know, all the, all the stuff I, I like to think I would have done differently, but, uh, I mean, we, we got in there, uh, knocked fire down at, at, at no point was it a, uh, it was ever even a thought of not making entry, a uh, good amount of fire. Uh, we, we knew we were able to knock it down get a good search going. Uh, I learned a lot about at least not trying to pre-plan, you know, in my head before getting there. So I, I had the, the, the awesome plan where I was going to do a search rescue is going to pull my line. It was, it was pretty much right out of a textbook lieutenant's test, you know? Hey, you're outlying house. You got reports of victims. Here's your manpower. What are you going to do? And everything was great in my head until I pulled up and the front door was on fire. So that totally changed my, my thought process now of, of my order priorities. Uh, never did I think about making entry somewhere else. I, I knew my search with a, a six foot hook and a halligan. So if the opportunity presented itself, I would have be yes and, and had the lines continue in. But uh, th those backsides of the structure really never presented an opportunity for it. Uh, headboard was blocking one window, so one bedroom was was off off limits for a VES. 
I knew my truck company was coming behind us. They operated as a four-man inside-out team. So I knew I had two more guys committed to my primary search and two more committed to VES once that truck arrived, uh, in addition to my two on the rescue. So effectively, we had seven people searching a 1,200-square-foot house within uh, four minutes of on-scene. Yeah, and, and that's a lot of freaking people in a small yeah, area. Yeah, almost almost to a fault at some point at some point you almost got to say hey let me let me take my two guys three guys and uh, and do my thing and and uh uh but just we kept getting the reports kept coming on the radio hey there's someone's telling me someone is is definitely inside so uh but yeah, it, it, it took getting the fire knocked down. You, it took moving some debris yeah and knowing you in the culture and the guys in winter park it's definitely an aggressive search culture uh and and at no time uh I'm sure at no time was the skills determined uh, on this this occupant's death, uh, which which makes things a little bit easier. But can you speak a little bit to the fact of you know we we get reports of somebody's inside, and you mentioned doing just that quick tick search, get it done, because most of the time, unlike in training, sometimes when we use babies or smaller victims to to make sure of thoroughness, a lot of times victims just present very easily. Uh, so most of the time, those types yeah, of searches not- will turn somebody up. But in this case, when you did the primary search and you found nothing and you were told, no, somebody's still in there, what did that do mentally uh, to you? Or, or did you talk with your, your guys and gals on it, on uh, their thought process? Oh, I, no, honestly, there's a, uh, there's a radio silence at that point. Uh, you know, it's, it's to the point where, hey, it's, it's hey, what did we miss? So it, it almost goes somber at that point. But uh, I mean, there's still a job to do. So we, we had to continue our search at that point. Uh, we just kind of double checked our, our areas, uh, at, at no time did I think that the origin of fire would have, would have produced the victim just, just because, uh, you know, that's at that point, seven people had walked through that area. So, uh, seven people went up and over, uh, the debris and, and everything. And at no point did this present like a victim, uh, so, but, but that sixth search, like you were saying, I, I try to get the most bang for my buck just to knock out the, the bedrooms, looking quickly on the beds, uh, bathrooms, and knowing I was going to come back and, and affect a search, but uh, more so just trying to get that quick search and, and uh, try to knock it out in a pretty timely fashion. Uh, I was by myself at that point. We, we knew where everybody was. Uh, small house. I knew my Nosman was still working. I knew my rescue crew was uh, searching the back common areas, kitchen, uh, dining room, uh, those areas. Uh, but it's a sinking feeling when you hear that that report on the radio that uh, you know somebody's still in there, and it's almost like the old training where you, where you don't put a victim in, and everyone comes out thinking that uh, oh we missed something, and you might have just not had a victim in there. That was kind of the hope, but uh, unfortunately in this situation it it, it was not. So uh, culture wise, afterwards, I mean that, that I'll tell you what definitely I'm gonna do, you know, or what I do now going forward is I, I slow down and just make sure uh, that. You know, it isn't just debris that that I am I am just confirming what you know what I what I think in my head is already there. So, yeah, and you know, we hit a lot in these in these podcasts on speed, how fast these grabs actually happen, and for the most part, uh, you know, these grabs are being made in two to five minutes. That timeline still remains consistent, even though the victim wasn't found initially. That you guys had, you know, that primary and even a second primary done relatively quickly and still found this victim uh, in that condition in the under 10 minutes, which is, is still impressive. Uh, anything else you want to add, Scott? No, no. Like I said, it's uh, an unfortunate result. 
I guess being the first unsuccessful one on here, but uh, it, it, to me, it reaffirmed that what we're doing is, is positive as far as our culture, as far as getting in there, getting in the front door. Uh, I, I think if the victim would have been viable, I think we definitely would have been able to affect a rescue. Uh, it was a 20 by 20 room at that point, you know, engulfed in fire that, that I don't think any, anything was survivable, but we fought through that to get to the survival space. I mean, we weren't let that slow us down. Uh, at no point there was a thought to bring a line around the rear or anything like that. I mean, you can call it a transitional attack. You can call it whatever you want. The, the idea was to knock down the fire to be able to perform a search. So that was, uh, that was the, the idea behind what, what was going on. Uh, like I said, it changed personnel-wise on, on who I had to do what. Uh, initially, like I said, I, I wanted to, to affect the primary and then give up fire attack. But you arrive and, and conditions you know, are not what you imagined in your head. And, and you got you to gotta be a little bit audible. So uh, I give my crew props. I mean, they, they did an excellent job, especially for a crew only being together for a month. Uh, my Nozleman probably had, she had maybe four months on the job, first fire. Uh, I mean, line charge masked up before I did my 360. They, they did an excellent job on, uh, on, on just, you know, the stuff we worked on, to be honest, in the, in the month prior, mask ups, uh, stretches, uh, door to, to rig time, all that stuff. So. Nice. Well, Unfortunately, it wasn't the positive outcome, but yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing something unsuccessful. That's not one of the easier things to get on. Uh, but like we had said, you did all the front end work. Uh, you went in, uh, found the victim, and let God sort them out. So I appreciate you, Scott. I appreciate it. If, uh, if um, anybody needs to get a hold of you, what's the easiest way to do that? Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, Scott Ketchum, K-E-T-C-H-A-M. Uh, I do a little bit of teaching with uh, Banner Search and uh, Eric Wheaton. So I'm, uh, I'm an easy guy to find. Nice. Well, I appreciate you. I was like hanging out with you. I, I thought when you told me the story, it'd be a good one to share. If you've got a uh, grab, assist, or even uh, unsuccessful uh, rescue attempt, we encourage you all to go to www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com. That way we can uh, capture that information. It's information for firefighters, by firefighters. Uh, it's a great resource to go look and see what we need to be training on. If you have uh, one of those incidents and you want to share it with uh, anyone, uh, get a hold of me. You can find me on Facebook, Grant Schwalbe. Uh, or making the grab Facebook page, or get a hold of Justin McWilliams on ser the Search Culture uh, Facebook page, because uh, we'd like to record it and uh, and let people hear your story. So, thanks again, Scott, and until next time, I'm Grant. Oh,